So welcome to another edition of Eusebius on Times Live. We normally speak politics, and that's not quite by design because it has meant to be a podcast that is about current affairs more generally. And although we are all political animals as South Africans, there is more to life, and there certainly is more to the category called current affairs than just politics in a very narrow sense. And what I thought I'd do this week is to be a bit more helpful than simply giving you analysis paralysis of the state of the nation. We have a massive unemployment crisis on the expanded definition, which includes job seekers who are so despondent they've stopped searching for jobs. We have almost 50% of South Africans who are physically capable of work not working and not in education or training either. That is a massive crisis. And in fact, there is a link to politics. It does not take a rocket scientist to be able to see the intrinsic danger for our democracy of having an unemployment crisis that is that massive. And there are many different elements to the unemployment crisis, including, of course, the fact that we are not going going to be growing, according to government's predictions, more than 2% per year over the medium term. That is not conducive to dealing with the unemployment crisis. But in the meantime, there are practical things we need to do within small pockets of influence to try and improve the lot of everyone who is outside of the labor market or who's inside the labor market, but struggling to be able to improve in terms of your job performance and where you are at in terms of upward mobility in your sector of the economy. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about different aspects of this challenge. But the best way to eat an elephant is to take one bite at a time. So there's a narrow question I'm going to be focusing on this week. And that question has to do with whether or not quality mentoring can make a difference to improving the odds of you either getting a job or alternatively having better career advancement inside your firm or inside your sector of the economy. I want you to think about today's episode as the mentoring toolkit, as the wording suggests that I have put on the blurb for this episode, the mentoring toolkit. What does it take to be a good mentor? What does it take to be a good mentee? And I guess the obvious third question, what is the best way to ensure that that dynamic between mentor and mentee is optimal to make sure that you as a mentee get the best out of it? And yes, also selfishly to make sure that it's worth the mentor's while to stick it out in that relationship. So welcome to the Mentoring Toolkit. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? 
so they stole it. I could think of no better person than my good friend Dawn Klatsko, who's my former boss, who's also my coach from a business point of view, because even me, Eusebius McKaiser, already 40 years old, is in need of continuous mentoring. And we've got a relationship that is mutually beneficial. It's a bit unorthodox. It's not a classic mentoring relationship. I think Dawn gets something out of our friendship. I definitely do. And so we've got a lot that we can role model for you in terms of how to get the mentoring relationship right. But also, we have experience of having had mentees. Some have done well, some less well. And uh, we ourselves have been mentees once a upon a time, still in some cases, some situations. And so we're going to be speaking to you, not theoretically, but also on the basis of practical experience. She's a professional coach. And besides that, she's run businesses and she certainly had to look after employees. And she's had to think long and deep and hard about the toolkit that goes into the mentoring toolkit. Dawn, welcome to UCBS on Times Live. Thank you so much for the invitation. And there are there's already a wealth of points that uh, you've covered in your introduction alone that uh, would be really worth unpacking. And I just want to say right up front that I regard myself as being in a mentee relationship with you. So I still benefit (laughs) enormously. And I will touch on some of my experiences and that, that I've had in your mentoring of me, in particular in the writing arena. Okay, well, I'm going to keep it practical and get straight into the meat of it because you and I have prepared for this so well. Um, I'm so excited and at the same time scared that we're going to lose some of the insights from our preparation that we have done. But I know that you will have collated it. I don't like writing things down. I try and test my memory. So let's see how far we get. But every single bit of advice is going to be practical and useful to my readers who are listening to this podcast. The first is the motivation of the mentee. Um, you know, people sign up and will say to me, can you be my mentor? And I often wonder whether they have done the first bit of homework, which is to ask themselves, what is my motivation and what do I want out of this mentoring relationship? And why am I trying to get hold of Eusebius as opposed to Joe Soap? Absolutely. And I think Eusebius in in organizations, in corporations, many of them have internal mentorship programs. And I think from a mentor's perspective, it's a bit of a heads up to the mentee that don't think you're being smart. Don't presume that that mentor that you're choosing is your quick ticket uh, to success. So I think you mentioned right in the beginning that this isn't a program about politics, but there's a lot of politicking that goes on in people seeking mentors. It's not a quick ticket to success. I think people underestimate and they have the wrong motivation. They haven't considered strongly enough about exactly why. Uh, For me, the, the first step is that the person you're approaching as a mentor should have demonstrated success in the field that you are interested in uh, promoting yourself into. So in whatever capacity, that person should have a clear, your mentor should have a clear record of success. But you've also reminded me that it's important to understand what you want out of the person because you might have three people who are equally successful, but they might be able to give you different things in terms of what it is that you need. Do you need someone who can vouch for you when the annual committee that does 
for example, discussions around who should be promoted, get together, and you know, ooh, you see this, he's sitting on the human resource or, I don't know, the people's committee of the firm. That might be good talk of, talk of politics. That might be good politics. So how important is it, because you made this point to me so well the other day, telephonically, John, to understand what it is that you want out of the person. Um, I'm just thinking in real time as I knew that more examples would come to both you and me based on our experiences. I'm going to take a weird analogy and then I want you to to, to continue from here. I have for 10 plus years sat on committees that evaluate bursary and scholarship applications and I still am involved in them. Sometimes... I've had famous people writing referee letters for candidates that have applied for these bursaries. And some of those letters have been really badly put together. Once or twice, the gender formation on the letter suggests that this person has used the same letter for 10 years as a famous person and um, just slotted in a different name. Um, Dear committee, please... Look favorably on Don Kletzko. He is one of my best students. And you realize that that is just not sloppiness in a moment of non-concentration, but it is because Mr. Eusebius MacKaiser, Dean of Health Sciences, actually doesn't know Don. And so then the question is, as a mentee or as a bursar, potentially, should you go to the most famous person in the, in, the, in the academy or do you go for the person who really knows you, even if the committee's never heard of you and they can vouch for you in a way that's so compelling that the committee will take their recommendation seriously, even if their name doesn't ring a bell like a, like a well-known name. So it's really important, isn't it, to know what you want rather than, oh my God, whose name is the most famous in the company? Absolutely. And you should not presume that even if, so I think the starting point is being able to present or pitch yourself or motivate whatever, use whichever adjective you like uh, in order to secure the mentor. But equally so, I think it's quite important to remember that going into this relationship, you as the mentee have the right or it's wise for you to interview the mentor if you're in that position if you have the opportunity Mm. because don't presume that because you've read so much of this person or you've heard them on radio or seen them on tv that they are in fact the right person for you 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 mentioned also earlier you know how do you select the criteria how do you know you know that sometimes it's also a personality match that is essential so for example if you are a highly sensitive individual and you are not open to direct criticism, don't choose a mentor that shoots straight from the hip. You know, if I, if I think some back to some of the mentoring you've done for me, Eusebius, there've been times where I've submitted pieces of writing to you and you've been very direct in the feedback. Um, I go yelping into the corner and cowering a bit, but I, I enjoy the engagement. That is my style. I like people being direct. And, and I think the other essential element is the question of respect. So that example you gave of somebody uh, presenting references that are shoddy and poorly put together, you're showing disrespect for your own brand as much as you are for the mentor. So there's a double whammy there. It just shows that this individual is sloppy. They haven't paid attention. So as a mentor, you're going to be thinking, how much 
are you going to apply? How well are you going yeah. to apply my valuable insight and knowledge? How do I approach a potential mentor? Let's say I've now decided, okay, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to be in this company for more than a year or two. Quite frankly, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of friends that are informal mentors, even if we don't use that language. I don't really need someone who's going to be meeting me once a month and putting me in their diary for a 30-minute session. Actually, I'm really just gaming. I really just want Dawn to say nice things about me when the people committee meet because I want to leave this company as an associate and then and after that I'll be okay okay so now I've decided I'm very clear I know Dawn is busy I know she won't have much time for me but if I can just see her once or twice she'll be able to maybe have my back so I've got a clear idea of what I won't get what I want to get now I've got to approach Dawn what is the best way for me to put together a potential email or WhatsApp message? Do I need to game around that or is it just straightforward, try your luck and just send a regular message? Look, this is my own person. I suppose I'm a, a bit of an, a war dog and I have a very, my senses are always up. So the description that you shared, kindly, I think is what a lot of people do do. They just want a couple of touch sides, not too much sweat, uh, coffee every now and then, and hopefully you'll like me and recommend me. I caution about that approach. Yes, the starting point is to actually, if there isn't a formal a mentoring program. So I have two mentees at the moment that are both via an organization who arrange formal mentoring. So they, they've already pre-screened me and I already had sight of the individual's profiles before I agreed. If you're approaching somebody, the starting point is a WhatsApp or an email, very short, concise, precise, and just check that the person's open to mentorship. And if they're going to agree, ask for what the terms of engagement are. So as a mentor, thank you for agreeing. Do you, do you as a mentor have specific requirements? Because this is what I would like to do. Does that appeal to you? Which brings me to the single most important theme. And I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I thought you were done with, with, your, with your paragraph. But I know that this will at any rate cash out what you were probably going to be saying. But I want to frame it bluntly. If you take nothing else from this conversation between Eusebius and Dawn, it must be the following two thematic areas. I'll state them, Dawn will fill them out. The first is, do not kid yourself. You will not get what you want out of a mentoring relationship simply by sitting with Dawn at Tashes. An effective mentoring relationship requires you as the mentee to do work, and my puppy there in the background agrees. So I want us to talk about managing your own expectations as the mentee in terms of what is required from you and related to that. And maybe it's not a separate, separate, separate theme. This is the way Dawn probably would put it. And I know Dawn well enough to be able to anticipate the language. You've got to understand that mentoring to be effective requires you to contract with one another. Absolutely. So I think to your first point, if I can expand on that or supplement it or put in the uh, processes, because I, I 
have preference for linear approach. I think the guidelines are to prepare, to prepare well, to respect time, to acknowledge the outcomes. So at the end of every session, feed back to the mentor what you feel you got out of that session. Mm. And to accept that you are the one to do the groundwork. Mm. So you, it's different, very different to a coaching relationship, for example, where a coach is going to take you through a program and preset meeting frequency. In a mentor-mentee relationship, it's about the mentee. You're the one that's going to do the work. You have to raise the questions. You have to make the notes. You have to demonstrate that it's worthwhile the mentor considering meeting with you ever again. And crucially, Dawn, that work can't just be done, especially if you are, which most of our readers are, smart enough to try your luck with shortcuts. For example, quickly thinking in the shower on the morning that you're supposed to meet Dawn, what can you tell Dawn you have tried in the previous three weeks in terms of what you discussed the last time you met Dawn is smart and old enough and has been around the block a hundred times. She will be able to sniff you out if you were making up effort stories in the shower. You have to do work between the meetings. So many people who think they want a mentor really think, and this is a phrase that I use very often, they think that they can learn by osmosis. And you need to formalize. So you were talking about contracting. And I think there are a whole lot of C words that come into play here. It's about contracting. So contracting means to agree the terms of engagement, the frequency, how it's going to happen, what the outcome is, how long should this go on for. And then it's a collaboration. So a better version of wanting a specific outcome or for kind of promoting you, recommending you for a development program, recommending you for promotion. You see, because you often talk about the authenticity, and I know authenticity is a bit of an overused word, but if you're sincere and honest in, in terms of what you're trying to achieve, if you've contracted, you're communicating well, and you ask for collaboration, so you say, I'd, I'd really like us to collaborate on how I can set myself up for promotion or success or profiling, whatever the, the platform is. So I think it's, you know, just bear in your own mind about what C words can you prepare yourself for in going into this approach? Hmm. I think that's absolutely right. Um, but but I, I, I feel like I'm articulate, but I, I feel like I haven't quite nailed the point that I want to make. If you have bad habits or you have insufficient number of good habits, you need to practice, practice, practice to go from good to great or to go from average to good. And the only way you can form new habits is by doing, failing, doing again, getting frustrated, learning again, getting tips from your experienced mentor on how to have a better bash over the next month or week, however frequently you see each other, in order for you to develop. Because ultimately, this is about a developmental pathway. And that's what I mean by the work that needs to be done, Dawn. I think very often, men mentees 
quickly exit the relationship if the mentor holds them accountable because accountability is an important feature of collaboration and of contracting. So you have to understand that you are only ready for a mentoring relationship, aren't you? If and only if you are prepared to do lots of work in between. I have sometimes, even in a coaching relationship, exited the relationship with some CEOs. I won't shame them. Some of them well-known South Africans where I was deprioritized as a coach when their other work was put on top of the pile. And I understand that because the board of directors might say to you, why didn't we grow this year as per your contract? But I'm afraid I also have a contract with you. And even if you pay me, by the way, which is not the case with mentoring, but even if you pay me, you're wasting my time if you're not going to be doing the drills and the exercises that we've contracted you to do in order for you to improve under my tutelage if you want to become, for example, a better public speaker. You can't only be doing the drills when I see you after two weeks from now because the real doing needs to happen when you are in the boardroom, when you are going to a regional conference, you record yourself, you consciously, as you walk to the podium, think about what we had done in our private one-on-one sessions, you reflect on it, you write some notes that evening, and you bring that to the mentoring session. But if you really don't have the time, and maybe you don't, or you don't value that as much as some other KPI, then for goodness sake, don't sign up for that relationship. Yeah, uh, 100%, and you articulate that all so well. I can only just expand on one or two points that as you were going through them, I was going, absolutely, yes. So I think what you have magnified as well is the element of respect. So in t- on both for both parties, yeah. I think the other really important thing, Eusebius, and in terms of the work that goes in, is to set the goals. So mm. if you don't have goals then how do you have a route map? What, what are you setting out to achieve? Otherwise, yeah. it's treading water. Yeah. I think there's something else that is interesting is that not all mentoring relationships are for free. There are professional mentors out there the same who operate in the same way as coaches do where you actually pay for their services. And, and a good professional is going to have the same expectations of you to show up well-prepared and demonstrate, illustrate that there's actually progress to be made. And, and you know, and that's so important. I mean, I've got, a, I've got a psychotherapist that I see, that I've seen for many years on and off, and I'm currently seeing him again. I pay the guy, um, and he's worth it. He's not just the guy, if he's listening to this episode. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, he's made me a better political analyst and social commentator because I take some of his insights and hopefully make the world a better place on psychosocial issues. But the point is that I put appropriate pressure on myself to do homework during the week so that when I see him next, I'm able to say, Firstly, I'm ashamed when I say to him, I haven't tried this, that, and that, that we agreed I should try out in the, in the next seven days. Um, but also, it's not good enough for me to think to myself, oh, I'm paying Mark, and therefore I must be passive in the learning process. The opposite is true. You know, precisely because I want to get the best possible returns on the payment, do I need to be an active participant in that learning process? 
And, uh, the, yes. So I, I want to just when I was rewinding what you were just saying now, the value that you can get out of a mentor relationship is enormous. So, in fact, there is, a, in a way, I'd like to interpret it as fast tracking. But you need to understand the fast tracking, you were talking about a therapist, the beauty of mentors is that they have an accumulated knowledge. It's like going into the 20, the 15 minute uh, version of instead of having to read a book, you get these high level pocket versions of the book. Yeah. So in, in essence, what a mentor is doing for your professional is giving you the benefit, condensing decades of experience into a conversation or a moment that is invaluable. I think the other interesting thing that you triggered for me is that you get some purists, you'll get pure coaching, you get some professionals who will go, I'm a coach, I'm a mentor, and then you get blended versions of that. So in some situations, it would be they'll shift between coaching and mentoring. And in fact, in some situations, it's more almost of a consultation. Mm -hmm. So you have some mentoring relationships where people are working with business incubators and they go begin at a mentoring level, but in the hope of actually attracting financial backing and investment in your company. Mm. So once again, it comes back to your earliest point about be very clear on the terms of engagement and what you hope to achieve out of this. Mm. I want to shift conversation for the next five, 10 minutes before we, before we wrap it and focus a little bit on the mentor. I, you know, I'd love to know, and please give Dawn feedback, Dawn Klatsko on social media. She's particularly active on LinkedIn, which I've never logged into, or give me feedback, and maybe we can do another version in a couple of weeks' time. I wonder how popular mentoring is in South Africa, both formally and informally. We have such an incredible skills deficit in this country. Structural unemployment is a key part of unemployment generally and that's besides the high number of joblessness in absolute terms if someone is listening to this and they are well set in their career not looking for a mentor but they potentially can be a mentor themselves why why should they take time out to be a mentor um, what are the benefits of being a mentor? And um, maybe someone has never thought of themselves as being in a position where they can take on two or three young people in a mentoring relationship. It's okay to ask selfishly, why should I? What do you feel, if I can ask you, Eusebius, what motivates you? Because you, you do... Uh, Quite a, a I'll tell you what motivates me, Dawn, and I want to know what motivates you too. So the, the first thing that motivates me is an ethical obligation to give back in a country where people have had few opportunities through no choosing of their own. I always say there's nothing more beautiful. We often see it when the matric results come out with the exceptionalism stories that should become regular stories, but they are not regular stories yet. There's nothing more beautiful than when talent meets opportunity. 
And then you see what talent meeting opportunity does in terms of helping an individual to self-actualize. Every single person is entitled to self-actualization. But what holds us back, I mean, there's nothing we can do about your intrinsic capacity, but everyone deserves to have whatever intrinsic capacity they have to be exploited maximally. That requires you to have opportunity. And I feel that ethical obligation to do so in a country where there's massive deprivation as a result of structural injustice. So that's one push factor for me. And then the second factor, Dawn, relates to that. I think about the ways in which I benefited from relationships that were clearly mentoring relationships since primary school, even when they weren't given that kind of language or I lacked the vocabulary to give them that kind of language. Whether it was Sister Monica Taggart, the Irish nun at my colored primary Catholic school in Grahamstown, who made sure she drove me to a former Model C school, so that I don't go to the local colored designated school that is under-resourced, whether it's my librarian, Mrs. Whitehead, who went beyond the duty of a teacher into a mentoring relationship, now that I have the vocab, to drive me up and down the Eastern Cape to go to chess tournaments or debating tournaments, um, all the way into my career, uh, Peter Bruce at Business Day, taking a Eusebius who's not even 30 years old and inviting him to come and debate what the editorial position of the most influential daily financial should be on a key issue of the day. And what many people don't know, and I'll reveal it now, is that I wrote many of Business Day's editorials um, because Peter Bruce allowed me to do so and I wasn't even 30 years old. So I think about what other people did for me in mentoring relationships, and I think that a key part of my career success is because someone else bothered. And it's not only, I agree, my, my, my driving sentiment or motivation is give back. And it comes from me uh, acknowledging and fully embracing that my career, which was the bulk of my career was in, in the ad industry, which at the moment is interesting because it's under a lot of scrutinism, but I, a lot of scrutiny, I, I had a privileged upbringing. Now I have the opportunity to give back to people who haven't had the option of learning at the knee of their parents. I learned so much of what I know from my father. He taught me just in terms of a process of osmosis. Mm. So that is a big motivator mm. for me. Mm. And I love the example. So when you, if you think that you have the potential as a mentor, do yourself a favor and read up on what a professional mentor, how they structure and how they approach it. Because you, you gave a wonderful example of Peter Bruce, you see this as a mentor, you must create an environment where the person feels they have the freedom to fail. And that is what he did for you. He gave you the opportunity to write, but with sufficient protection that you, you weren't threatened. It was to encourage and to motivate you on. Yeah. To be honest, as a mentor, I get an enormous amount back. So you can never stop reinventing yourself. Never presume you know it all. I certainly don't. I have ongoing mentors and people I learn from. But you know what shakes my tree? 
is when I go into a wonderful engagement with somebody who knows less and they challenge my thinking. I love that. And you you learn, a mentor has the opportunity to equally learn from mentees who are presenting fresh thinking, fresh ambitions, and they've got a different set of circumstances to those that you may have had. Um, so it is a two-way uh, beneficial relationship. Well, I was going to, I mean, I'm smiling internally. It's just too cold to show it um, because I was going to say that for me, there's nothing more wonderful when it comes to action. And this is a general life lesson. When there is a confluence between selfless and selfish reason to act. We've both expressed the selfless reason, giving back, being magnanimous, and why that is particularly important in a context where you have massive inequality and lack of access to opportunity. But there are also selfish reasons. What I find, and I know that mentors will agree with me nine times out of ten, when you go to your mentoring sessions with a mentee, you aren't just holding them accountable. You are checking in with your rusty, inconsistent, lazy, shortcut self. You are often an older version of your mentee. And when you are speaking to your mentee, you're also speaking to yourself. And so the mentoring is fantastic because it also is an opportunity for you to rehabituate better ways of being in the world because you are not a perfect exemplar of the things that you are encouraging your mentee to become. So mentoring is also a wonderful form of self-development because you are checking in with yourself as much as you are checking in with your mentee. And it comes back to contracting. So you need to have mutual agreement that either party has the freedom to express that they don't have the answer or the right question. So it, it's yeah. interesting. It's a very interesting relationship and quite unique. And, and deeply rewarding for that reason. And also precisely because we are permanently an unfinished product of that depresses you, we permanently have the opportunity to be better, which is exciting. That is precisely why there's nothing queer about what Dawn and I said at the outset, that you can simultaneously be both a mentor and a mentee. Absolutely. There's another aspect, Eusebius, and I, I really think this is worth emphasizing. As I said, a lot of it also comes down to just being human and checking in on personality. So with my perspective, and there have been many people that have approached me as mentees and I've declined, hmm. perhaps because I just got a sense that they weren't being that honest, mm. that there was a different agenda or they hadn't clearly thought it through. Yeah. But what I also caution, I'm quite a tough taskmaster. So I'm not tolerant of time wasters. And if mm. I see insincerity or I sniff out that insufficient work has been done, I'm quite tough. And I think for me, efficient use of time is to not pussyfoot around and be direct. So for those reasons, I'm not everybody's ideal mentor. You're also generous, right? So so it's interesting how these things go. And I'm not just saying that because we've known each other for a while and we are friends. I think you you are also very generous. I think you are more generous than you than you need to be. 
Um, so it's interesting that you might regard yourself as a tough taskmaster. I see you as being unduly generous, which is why you and I have, just like friends who are fighting about who should settle the bill at a restaurant, we fight about who gets the most out of this relationship because we have a very bizarre relationship where there's a genuine friendship, but we also go into genuine mentoring space like we do weekly um, every Wednesday. And then the tone is different than if we were around dinner with partners and with other friends. And we, we, we have a bun fight about who gets the most out of that mentoring dynamic. Um, because I think that you are in fact incredibly generous. So I think for me, the point, the point is the following as with seeking a therapist as with seeking a gym trainer as with seeking a family doctor for your family it's not necessarily a slight if it doesn't work out for either party doesn't mean that you are a bad mentee potentially doesn't mean that you're a bad mentor just as it doesn't mean that you're a bad personal trainer it's about seeking the right fit, isn't it? And sometimes that fit won't be there because there's a personality mismatch and that doesn't necessarily um, reflect poorly on either party. It just means that these two people can't be in that relationship. Absolutely. And, and, and once again, comes back to the point of contracting. So when you're going to go into that for your self-preservation, Make sure that as much as you agree on the terms of engagement, agree on the terms of separation. Yes. So because you must, but either party should be able to leave with both your ego and reputation intact. I think that's a very good final theme to explore, Dawn, because you still want to be, you still want to make, I mean, what I found is, you know, it's so interesting. Many of us who live in, in Gauteng, we really are, like most Gautengelangers, we sojourned either from some other part of the world, whether it be Eastern Europe and our families arrived here eventually, or whether it be the Eastern Cape and you came to look for your fortunes in the city of gold. And you quickly realize that actually, despite how big Auckland Park looks with the approaching shots on your favorite soapy when you are sitting in Grahamstown watching it in the 1980s once you get to Joburg the world becomes smaller and smaller we all know each other you piss off dawn now five minutes later you bump into her in the Woolies aisle um, near your house and so it's really important to nurture relationships because they 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 may need to be reinvented outside of the mentoring relationship that did not work optimally. Absolutely. You made me laugh, you see, because I'm just thinking of this, you know, the city of gold, this Gauteng. Unfortunately, that gold is kind of a pretty thin veneer. And often it doesn't take much of a scratch to show the dark underbelly. So don't go into this naively. You know, have a a very take a cold hard look and manage your expectations, uh, because there are no easy streets, and this is a very competitive environment. It's a, a melting pot of ambitions, politics, uh, needs, desires, and there's a lot of desperation. So you have to be cautious, but uh, it's exciting if each of us, uh, we keep on saying 
if we each do a little bit, we can create a movement. We can create something positive. Absolutely. And I think as long as you prepare yourself properly and approach it with honesty and professionalism, we have a massive opportunity of helping one another. Okay, thanks so much for tuning in. I can't wait for us to have another installment. We're going to be led by your questions. I hope that you have been excited into seeking an effective mentoring relationship, alternatively to give back as a mentor. And if you have questions for us, you can find us on social media, follow us. You also may want to check out Dawn's excellent podcast that focuses in a really deep way on these kinds of career-enhancing subjects, Art of the Suit, which is also the title of a fantastic book that she has written. And you may want to keep as a mentor a batch of those books to gift to any young person in your life that is starting out or to remind yourself of the fundamentals um, that may be missing in your own career trajectory. Art of the Suit, that's where you can get hold of Dawn. And also check out my podcast, Eusebius on Times Live. I guess you're already here if you're listening to this podcast. And the other one, of course, In the Ring with Eusebius McIsaac. We look forward to having more of these conversations with you. The economy has tanked. That's our reality. We can either bemoan it or we can continue to try and rebuild it. And one of the ways of doing so is to make sure that you develop a toolkit for yourself to make yourself as resilient as possible in the face of job scarcity. And the mentoring toolkit is the beginning of doing precisely that. Dawn, thanks so much for coming on the platform. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'd like to just sign off with two simple statements. Do good, be great. Cheers. Cheers.